Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Jesus Christ having these words to say. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You have what it takes. Not too many weeks ago, I happened to be in a place of business here within our town that is run by a man that I've known for quite a while. And as I was standing there waiting to be waited on, he was talking on the telephone when I got there. And I did not mean to be eavesdropping on him, but that's the way that it worked out. And it was right there in public. And I ascertained real quickly that he was talking to somebody about a young man that worked for him that he had to fire. And while I was standing there listening to the conversation and thinking, I realized that this was a young man that waited on me not too many days before. And I was impressed by the young man, uh, his uh, casual way that he went about uh, his work and how uh, he was uh, uh, very fine in his manner, and, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing about what this man was saying. And when uh, he hung up the phone, I questioned him about the situation to find out whether or not it was the young man that waited upon me, and he ensured me that it was because he was the only young man that he had there that day that I happened to be in the store. And then he went on to talk about the young man and said, uh, I said, well, I thought he was uh, quite capable. He did a fine job with me. He said, yes, every once in a while he, he did do a fine job. In fact, the young man is very capable and could do a good job, but he seemingly doesn't realize it or doesn't know it. And then he went on to say, I asked him, I said, well, now, have you said this to the young man? And he said to me, he said, now, preacher, he said, I'm going to tend to my business and you tend to yours. He says, now, my business, he says, I'm in the business to make money. And I'm almost quoting him directly now, word for word. He said, I have all the friends that I need. He said, the thing that I'm after now is to make some money through my business. He said, besides that, he said, I don't want to take your job away from you. That's what you're supposed to be doing, helping people. Now I can understand the fact that this man has a business, and I understand this cold, cruel business world, 
uh, that you can't dilly-dally around, that you've got to make a profit. If you don't, uh, you're out of business, and everybody else is out of business, and that's the way that it is. But you know the thing that stuck in my mind about this young man, what I remember about him. I thought that he was a very capable young man, but what this man, this man that had him employed, what he said about him, because I am quite sure that perhaps this man had a lick of truth in what he was saying. Here's a young man that's capable, but he doesn't seem to know that he is. In effect, he is saying, in effect, that he has what it takes, but he doesn't seem to know it. Now, beloved, that's sad. That is sad. Because this young man, in all probability, unless he comes to understand who he is and what he is, will go through life in a very bored way. Life for him will become very monotonous and he will continue to drift and to take this position and that position and never realizing completely and totally the fullness of his capability. Well, now, beloved, that's not new. That is as old as the scripture that I read to you this morning. Because here's a situation that God is facing as he faced in the days of long ago. When he had a group of people that needed desperately to be led. And he had for them a great promise. Even before these people were born. Had cut out for them what was known as the promised land. And he had a man by the name of Moses that had been a failure seemingly. And had even left God's people and went out uh, far away from them into the desert. And found a person out there in a family that he connected himself to and become and became the shepherd of, of the, the flock of this man. And here he was, out in this desert. They're taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. While there were a great host of people who were enslaved and who God wanted to do something for. Here is the possibility of success and failure. Here is a group of people who are in need. Here's a promised land out there for them, the fulfillment of their life. And here is God, the creator of both the people who need the leadership and the one who has cut out for them the promised land. Here is the need, and here's Moses, and here's God. And beloved, we find either the seeds of great success here or the seeds of failure. is here that God spoke to Moses. What are you going to do about the situation that exists? The people have a need. There is a promised land. Beloved, it seems to me that we're so frightened today uh, that we're even scared and afraid to dream dreams and to see visions. But I would ask you a question, each one of you, this morning. What visions do you have? What dreams are you dreaming? Are you dreaming any? Or has it been so long a sense that you have, have given up? And you have thought in terms that there's no possibility for you. Or you have thought in terms of the impossibility of the promised land that uh, you have before you. What assets do you have? What is your relationship with God and with His people? 
Where is it you want to go? What is it you want to be? What is it within the church that we want to be? What are we up to? What should we be? What should we do? What dreams and visions do we have? And are they of the impossible kind? Beloved, let me say to you, the God that has created you and called you into existence, the same God that has brought us together, is one of the same God that has given to you the possibility of success. And if you fail, it's not because of God. It is not because you did not have the opportunity. But it will be because you did not make the most of the opportunity that God has given to you. If you would realize the fulfillment of your life as God has created you, you will have to use what is in your hand. Let's look at the truth of the situation that existed with Moses and the reality of it will come through to us today. You see, the truth of it is, like Moses, we're willing to settle for so little. As soon as the pressure is on, we become frightened and afraid and run from it. And so in effect we too, out in the pastoral type of a situation where no one can bother us, you know. We don't want to be bothered or disturbed. We don't want the hassle. And so in effect we tend the sheep. And all the while, deep within the pit of our soul, something is gnawing away at us and we remain restless all of our days. The dream of life seems to be an impossibility and we're so afraid that we cease to dream anymore. Beloved, let me say to you, the God that called you into existence has already provided for you the way and the means for you to be able to realize the fulfillment of your life and the life of this church. It is already taken care of. The thing is in your hand. One of my most favorite and inspiring stories when I first read it is about George Washington Carver, a man that was born of slave parents. His father died when he was quite young, just a tadpole, so to speak. And his mother was stolen along with him and taken into another state. After a little while, his mother was separated from him and all probability was sold. And he was bought and restored and brought back to his home state where he was born. And this young man, creative as he was, began to learn and to work and to study. And he asked for a place to, to, to work and to study. And not very many doors were open. The state of Iowa gave him an opening. And there he went and received the most of his formal education. This young man went back to his uh, native state and among a group of worn out people uh, to serve among a people that had worn out and had given up and, and they had a worn out land too, had been plundered and, and, and overworked. And so therefore the land was poor, so were the people and together they were starving to death. And this man went into the alleys and to the ditches of the highway and picked up the cans and bottles that he needed in order to set him up a sort of a, a laboratory. And he began to work with the most common thing that they had, and that was a peanut. And from that, this man that we know as George Washington Carver, 
and made the land produce again. He was able to show those people that through the use of, of this product uh, that uh, they could be sustained and so could their land be reclaimed. And beloved, he did. Using what he had at hand to do the job that was needed to do for the South that he loved. Oh, what a pitiful start. Has anyone among us have started so lowly as this man? But you know, we've got to use what we have. The people who have reached their promised land have used what God has given to them, not to someone else. Oh, how easy it is for us to want to use what God has given to some other person. And we say it like this, Oh, if I had as much money as that person had, I would give something to the church. I would really do something. It's always easier for us to use what someone else has. If I was as smart as that person or had as many brains, well, then I look what I would be and what I would do. If I had the background from whence that person come, oh, if I had the cultural background, if I could boast of a mother and a father, and if I could boast of ancestors that had made a name for themselves, oh, what I could do. It's always easy for us to use what God has given to someone else. If I had as much time and as much understanding, well, then I would really do something. And I would make something out of myself and do something great for my people and for the people I live with and for God and for the kingdom. Well, what if Moses would have said when he was talking to God, Lord, you must be kidding. You mean to tell me that the only thing that I have to start with is a staff with a crook on it? You see, God was sort of put out with Moses. I know he was. Because Moses was using every excuse. You know, in another place it says, Moses says, well, I can't talk. Well, I can't, can't talk. I can't make my thoughts known in a, in a fashion. And so the Lord said to Moses, well, what do you have in your hand? He says, I have this old shepherd's staff. That's all I've got. And then the Lord says, all right, Moses will just use that staff. And that's all you've got. That's what we will use. One of the most interesting stories, too, that is so revealing. I think it's, uh, what is the First Samuel, the 17th chapter, and along about the 14th verse, you will find the account of David coming to the attention of the king. And you remember that story so well, but let me call it to your attention so that we may have it before us and get the significance of what it teaches us. You remember when the, uh, the Philistines had the Jewish people practically surrounded. And they had their Goliath, the, the Anik, the, from the tribe of Anik. They had their giant out there in front of them. And for 40 days this man would go out on the ridge and, and shout over to the people of Israel and say to them, Send out a man to fight me and we'll settle it this way. And he insulted the people of God for, for 40 days regularly then. David, just a young man, went up to camp to see his brothers because two of his older brothers were serving in Saul's army. And David heard it. 
And he began to talk to the men about it. Why do you let that guy stand out there and, and defy the armies of God and his people? And it made his brothers mad and some of the other people mad. Well, it was called to the attention of Saul. And you know, David went before him just a young man and asked the king to let him go. And you remember Saul consented to let him go, thinking that uh, nothing would come of it. And so Saul, it says, took off his armor, his bronze head plate, helmet, and put it on David. And took off his armor mail and put it on David. And took his sword and, and girded David with it. And then told him to go out and meet the, meet the giant. And David, you know, tried to make a move or two and couldn't move in it. And he said, I can't do it with this on. I don't feel right in it. It's not mine. He took off all the armor. Beloved, it is always sort of enticing for us to try to use what someone else has to, uh, to do the job that God has called us to do. And David was wise enough to know that he was not familiar with this. He could not do it. It was not God's plan. And so he said, no, I will use my own means. Now you know the rest of that story. David used a slingshot about uh, two and a half foot of string on each side, two of them, with a leather pocket in the middle of it, a slingshot. He was familiar with it. And God delivered him that day. Now don't get lost in the story. It's what it teaches us. Again, he's saying exactly what, what I'm trying to say and what God tried to tell Moses. Look. I've already taken care of the situation. I've already taken care of it. Just use what I've given to you. Just use what I've given to you. That's what I'm trying to tell you to do. Just use what I've, I have already given to you. I was talking to a friend of mine here about three or four weeks ago, and he just returned from Florida. Been down there for an extended vacation. He's got the money to do it, and so he just takes it easy now. But he's telling me about the friend of his that uh, he knew while he was in down south, I think it was in Georgia, I'm not sure now. He said this friend uh, lived down the road, in fact used to work for him, said uh, he wasn't uh, too good a guy to work, and so he just decided, this boy did, that he was uh, going to quit work, what Lily was doing, and work on old cars. And so next door to his house, it was hardly fit to live in, the man said. He started a junkyard, so to speak, moved in a bunch of old cars, and he'd work on them, and he'd get one running, he'd sell the thing, and just barely making a living and not even doing that. Said so one day he got sick suddenly and died. So this poor little woman he was married to was left with uh, alone in this house, wasn't paid for and hardly fit to live in with a junkyard next door, and a little baby girl. he lost track of her. Another situation. Knew she wasn't going to bounce too much because too much against her. Too many odds. She didn't know what life was all about anyway. Well, this little girl looked around and she took stock of what she had. She had a junkyard next door and a house hardly fit to live in and a little girl to take care of. And so she's decided that the thing that she would have to do sell part of those old cars next door for the parts to anyone she could find. And so she went out and she found people who filled the station, I suppose, whatever, and sold the parts. 
and those old junkers. She decided she, he had, uh, her husband had fixed two or three cars and had them there that she would just sell them outright. And so she sold them. And then she thought to herself, seemingly, well, I've been able to sell this junk and I've been able to sell these cars. I must be pretty good at it. And so she decided that she would buy old cars and start selling them. And that's precisely what she did. And when my friend, by chance, he and his wife ran into this young lady, a few years later in Florida found out that she owns one of the, of the largest used car uh, lots in the state where she lives. And that she too now is able to take extended vacation, whether it be in the south or in the north. In fact, he said that she is just really wealthy. Using what you have. Using what you have at hand. And you might be surprised and utterly amazed at what happens. You know, I like the story about Moses when the Lord told him, asked Moses, Moses, what you got in your hand? And he identified it as staff. He said, now throw it on the ground. I wonder what would happen if, if Moses would have refused to have thrown that staff on the ground. But he could do that, and so he threw it on the ground. And said immediately it turned into a serpent. And the scripture says that Moses ran. When he saw the results of what he and God could do, it scared him to death. Well, you know, I can appreciate that. Sometimes it scares me what we're able to do as God's people. I want to tell you some of the things that scares me, what we need to do too. It scares me. But we've got to keep our mind upon the God that we serve and know that he's already provided for us if we will follow him. Now look what we've been able to do as a church. You know... When I came and was privileged to come and be a part of you all uh, several years ago now, we were paying $650 per week, and some said that we will never be able to do it, that one of these days we're going to come up short, and we're just going to go under. Well, we haven't gone under, and the weeks have turned into months, and the months into years, and, and we have never missed a, a pay period. Never. And on top of that, we spent $40,000 in the last few years to remodel our building. We spent another $10,000 to put a roof on this thing. We spent another $10,000 to put doors around here. We spent another $15,000 for an air conditioner. We spent another $5,000 on just to keep it going. I am amazed. I am absolutely amazed at your commitment, at your dedication. What do you think about that? Isn't that amazing? And for all practical purposes at this time, and we're going to celebrate it pretty soon, that this building has been paid for. Isn't that amazing? Simply because there are those people who are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Committed to Him. Faithful to Him. Dedicated to Him. And the impossible has been done. It amazes me. Beloved, I want to tell you the success story of our church can be no different than the success story for you. You can be successful too, exactly the way God intended for you to be, because He has prepared the way for you. It's already done. Use what you have at hand. You can't use what somebody else has. You've got to use what God has given to you, what you feel comfortable with. Do it. Do it. Do it.
doesn't seem like too much of a success story for the man about the age of retirement, as the story is told to me, sitting on his front porch, thinking what he might get into. He thought about a kittle that he had and an old chicken out in the backyard. And he thought about a recipe that his mother had for fried chicken. And the rest of it is history. How many people did Colonel Sanders turn into a millionaire through his dream and a little that he had to start with? Beloved, the same God has created you and called you into existence. I do not know what God has destined you for, but it's a great destination. And you will feel comfortable and fulfilled in it, whatever that might be. I don't know what it is. But you know, you have some concept of it, you have some dream, you have some vision. There's a promised land for each one of us. That's the way God works. I want to tell you, whatever that be, whatever it is, if you will use, look around you, take check, see what you've got. You will find that it is already there and with God's help, if you will put your hand to it, you will come to the fullness of your life as God has intended for you to be fulfilled. It is within your hand. You have what it takes. Our Father, help us to believe what we read and to believe what we hear. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.